you'd like to contact the show, send us an email at liveonfourlegspodcast at gmail.com or get involved in the conversation on social media. Join the Pearl Jam Podcast community group on Facebook or follow us on Twitter at Live on Four Legs Pod. Então, isto é um sábado a noite em São Paulo. Finalmente estamos no Brasil. E tem tantos de vocês. Obrigado por esperar. Agora nos perguntamos por que não, não vimos antes. Que porra estava, estávamos pensando in the way we go. You're listening to Live on Four Legs, the live Pearl Jam podcast experience featuring Mr. Stone Gossip. Fucking camera in the truck. everybody now welcome to live on four legs a definitive live pearl jam podcast and we're getting down near the end of the year we got a couple episodes left a couple to do in december that i think you guys are really going to like and then one more next week that'll kind of finish off our i don't know our non 2022 year december will be all 2022 shows and and look back a little bit and this episode is going to be the first (laughs) <laughs> the first South American show that we're doing in 2022. Why? We have no good answer for that. Oh, I do. Well, because we're, we're biased. No, because it's the the World Cup, and we've been covering all these shows from countries that are favored to win the World Cup. We did Brazil, we did Germany, USA, obviously Australia is a long shot, but they've got a shot. So it, it was nice of you to throw in these these World Cup preview countries right as the World Cup is starting. That, that I'll take one hundred percent credit for that. You know how yep. big of a soccer fan I am. Right. I, That's right. I love it. I wish I could have gone to Guitar. Like, yeah, I I definitely. Um, yeah, that wasn't my intention. You at guys all. can listen to this while you watch Brazil play their opening match this week. Yeah, I guess it's all going on on Thanksgiving Day. That would be kind of yeah. a different change of pace instead of watching the Lions on Thanksgiving. You can watch what, like, like Britain or somebody. Like, I don't know. I, I haven't looked at the. Yeah, I, it's pretty obvious. I'm not into it, but 
I would be into doing more South American shows in the future and more in a single year than just this one. But this one is being done because it was a Patreon request. However, before we're going to get into that, we're going to talk a little bit about what happened last week. Because there is sort of another side to the story, and it'll be very interesting, and you'll want to hear it right off the top. I would say Randy Sobel over here, John Farrar over there, but he made his presence known, so there you go. You guys know what's up. Hello, hello. You want me to just get into this little story here? Just jump yeah, right in? Yeah, this was cool. We have a little follow-up from last week. We do. All right. So everybody knows as tuned in. And if you haven't, I, I would go back and listen to that episode from last week because it, it was a really, really good show and really fun to dissect. And that's Newcastle 2006. And the whole idea and identity of the show kind of came from this one time, one and done city where there was a little petition going on to get him to play there, a smaller city in, in Australia. And also a legendary surfer, Mark Richards, friend of the band, got to create the set for this night. So when I posted to Instagram, I figured out what his Instagram was and I tagged him on it and he responded. He was like, whoa, epic show. And I kind of pressed him a little bit. I'm like, yeah, so, uh, you know, I would love to hear your stories from this. Like, is there anything that, that you want to share? Like, hope, hopefully you get to listen to the episode. And we did get to hear from him. We got to hear from him a couple times. So let's let's read this here. So it says, epic opportunity, but a little stressful. I don't know how Ed does it show after show, but his fans were so lucky that they mix up the set list every show and don't do the standard one and a half hour same song set list that most bands do. With the set list, I tried to strike a balance between core and rare songs and songs the casual listener may have known, plus songs I really like. Haha. <laughs> that was hard, as I like them all. Would have loved to do a whole set list of rare songs, but that wouldn't be fair to the people who only had one or two of their albums. And then I pressed them a little bit. I'm just like, the first 11 were intense, you know, just great energy. You had Save You and Brain of Jay and Red Mosquito, Last Exit, Hail, Hail, all in one show, all basically in one segment. And then I kind of pressed them. I was like, there were a couple audibles thrown on stage what kind of veto power did the band have? And I also wanted to know if undone was his call because undone kind of came after the audible section as well. And he says undone was his pick. Such a great song. There are a few audibles from Ed and Pearl jam about halfway or two thirds of the way through the, into the first set, which, you know, we, we discussed at length. It was down and, and leather man. I believe the only direction I was given from the band was that I couldn't pick all old songs. They wanted to play some from the current album. And my response was, well, you got that out of the way in six songs. <laughs> so if Mark is listening, if he happens to be listening to this one, because, you know, maybe we got him hooked. Who, who the hell knows? Then uh, thank you. Thank you for that. It was, yeah, it was great to have a nice little interaction with you. And, and hopefully, for your sake, they get down to Australia. And everybody from Australia's sake, they get down to Australia in general. But hey, maybe they go back to Newcastle. Who, who knows? So what was, what was his Instagram if people want to add? At Mark Richards Surfboards. So there's two S's. Yeah. Mark Richards Surfboards. Cool. Cool. So, yeah, that was fun. And again, if that's a show that you like, if it's a show you've listened to before, and uh, go back to the episode, I think there'll be some nice conversations and some good talking points that you'll be into. We're going to get into some talking points about this one. Sao Paulo, 2005. This is the first time that they really did South America. They did 12 dates in 2005, and this was kind of the kickoff to everything. And 
you know, I, I think we've talked about it. The the one other 2005 show that we did that the Ramones were very influential into them making the decision to go down there because the Ramones were huge down in South America. So, you know, that'll come into play on this. Anything on 2005 and like how this was kind of almost seen as, you know, they're going into a new part of the world and now they can develop bigger fan bases like how you are viewed live is how people are going to intake and enjoy your band and while the records are awesome and people are going to love the albums when they see you live it's just going to heighten from there like it's just going to get so much better so now a whole new part of the world knows this now and the desire and the the demand has come up so i find it interesting that this was kind of almost like the last new place that they went continent wise you know when they haven't really been to many other places in asia they haven't really done a lot of eastern europe they've done a couple here and there they haven't even done an africa show when some bands have gone and done south africa or something like that they've never done south africa so what's your thought on all that and like how this was kind of the kickoff and then led into a very happy relationship with the countries down there you know, I go back to the thing. There's a feature on the Pearl Jam 20 DVD, like the bonus disc, that talks about this tour. And, like, I think it was they didn't really know what to expect. Because, like, yeah, you're going to a part of the world that they've never been to before. It's just the unknown, right? Just we're going to go down there and, and see how it goes. The response that they got was just amazing. I mean, I think you, you get that in some of the, the video. It's just like, they're just blown away. And I remember that from the, I think the Buenos Aires show that we did. It's just like, they were just dumbfounded by, you know, crowds of 60,000, 70,000, 80,000 people at these, these soccer stadiums and just absolutely going crazy. Like this mass of humanity and like, yeah, I mean, beyond anything they would have expected in their wildest dreams. And then he even mentions at a show, I think there's one where they talk about like, oh, you know, we're going to be back soon. We're going to be back in two years. And then as the, the tour, oh, we're going to be back in one year. We're going to be back as soon as we can. Like, actually became, kept their promise. Yeah. It just became like so much more than I think they ever expected out of it. And yeah, just amazing shows, amazing crowds. These are always fun to to talk about and listen to because the the crowd's just going crazy. And you watch there's there's a great video for this one, a, a pro shot video. I guess it was, was part of it was aired live on television in Brazil, and you just see some of the the crowd reactions and some of the stuff they're doing. It just it just gives me chills, like to be part of that crowd. It became almost like the gold standard for what a Pearl Jam crowd should be, and that's that's saying a lot. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, because I think that from our video intake at that time, I don't think we have a whole hell of a lot that's from South America from back then. I, maybe perhaps more from that year than I'm thinking of, but yeah, like pre smartphones, pre YouTube. So, right. Yeah. And YouTube is like right afterwards. So, who knows yeah. when it got uploaded? I didn't check the upload dates, but I'm going to guess that, you know, when people realize that they could up- upload it, it's probably been up there for at least 10 plus years, something like that. So, people that want those shows can familiarize themselves with it. So, uh, we're going to get into a little bit of that in just a second. We're going to take the question of the week from Facebook and Twitter and just see what people think about, you know, going through South American shows and whether or not they attempt to go through South American shows. But before we get into that, John, I- I'd like you to tell them about the little situation that they ran into with the mayor down there. Yeah. So 
a couple of weeks before the show, actually, they had an issue with the mayor. I think it's Jose Serra or Serna, I believe is the name. This venue evidently is in kind of a residential area in Sao Paulo, and they had had a bunch of noise complaints about concerts there. So the mayor had actually come out and suspended shows and been like, no more concerts. We're shutting it down. You can't have any more shows at this venue. Obviously, these two Pearl Jam shows, this is night two, they had already been scheduled. So the mayor gave them this list of demands if the show was going to happen. Like, you've got to jump through all these hoops to get to if you want this show to happen. And obviously Pearl Jam like doesn't want to cancel these shows. So the ones I read, the ones I saw was the show had to be over by 9.45 sharp local time, which means it probably had to start a little earlier than they were planning on. And they only had 30 minutes of sound check time during the day when they could make noise and rehearse and do all that sort of thing. And I can't imagine like in this residential neighborhood getting yeah, however many people, it seemed like at least 50,000, 60,000 people there. But yeah, I mean, it's just, it's great that they were able to do that. But you wonder, like, these shows probably came very close to not happening. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I've heard of situations from, you know, countries down in South America, countries in, in Asia, when a big band does come to play, there are some issues that usually happen kind of almost sporadic, almost the the night before where either it's a money issue or it's a, a sound ordinance issue like this. And either the government down there doesn't understand like what's happening and doesn't prepare for it, or they just don't pay any mind to it. And then you get a couple complaints out there and then they're like, okay, well, we understand that this is good for the economy down here, but you have to play by our, our rules. And yeah, it, it seemed like Pearl Jam kind of had no other choice, but, but to do it their way and it, it's better than not doing it at all. So that's, you know, yeah. sometimes it's just got to happen, especially at this point when they're really not very experienced in playing down there. They're not experienced with talking to promoters down there as much, like just, just do what they ask. That's it. You don't want to get into that- more trouble. And I believe that this was the only time that Pearl Jam played this venue. I think the, the, when they came back, they played somewhere else. And I, I did see, however, that I think U2 had played at this venue in 2006. So maybe they were able to, to work something out for that. But yeah, I think when they went back, they ended up playing somewhere different. Sure, Bono put you know his uh, his album on uh, the mayor's Apple sure. Music or something sure. like that for free. And you know, a little bit of quid pro quo right there. All right, let's read. uh, This is a request from Mike Radke. And no, it is not a show that he went to before, but it's one that he was able to cherish over the years on bootleg. And that's why he wanted us to cover it today. And I'm going to read his story. It's a Patreon request. So thanks, Mike, for making it. My Pearl Jam fandom has primarily been a solitary experience with just the songs in that the rest of my family are not fans except for my younger brother, Rob. Each album and bootleg stood on its own merit for me on what I liked or disliked. Each concert was accepted for what it was and what the band wanted to play for us. Not to go into too much of my music journey, but I think it's pertinent to why this band is so good. They've pulled their influences and made something new while respecting the past. I started listening to 45 from my dad's 60s music, most impactfully 
Can't Get No Satisfaction by the Rolling Stones, and early recordings of Creedence Clearwater Revival, rock music at its purest. Fast forward in my formative years, though, various moments of music discovery to those points when I remember the first time I'd heard these legendary influences like ACDC, Van Halen, Metallica, Jimi Hendrix, The Doors, Miles Davis, Muddy Waters, The Who, Ramones, Nirvana, and believe it or not, Pearl Jam. I've been a fan since nearly the day of the release of 10. The studio albums, of course, are great and beloved by many, but it's the live experience where Pearl Jam shined for me. My first show was night one in 1998 at Alpine Valley, followed by the Ice Bowl. Night two in 2006 opened up for Tom Petty at Summerfest in Milwaukee, and then the Yield Show in 2014. I missed some shows that I wish I had gone to, like the 2003 Alpine Valley. Skipped that one as my wife was eight months pregnant with my daughter, who coincidentally was born the morning of the Live at the Garden New York show. Jokingly, I like to say that Pearl Jam celebrated with their best for us and even gave us a DVD to memorialize it. Alright, back to bootlegs. The 2000 bootleg series was of course a game changer. My first official bootleg was the 2000 Milan show, crisp, clear, well-mixed, getting the intricate details of the band and the crowd that make the live experience so memorable. So I gathered up 2000 and 2003, targeted primarily on the live versions of rarer songs that I wanted to get in the collection. Every year thereafter, same thing. Get a few shows that represent the tour, collect the notable live performances of the recent album songs. In 2005, it didn't have CD releases, so like many, I moved up to the digital age with downloads. You might ask, why didn't I pick a 2005 Canada show for this choice? I know, they're nearly all stellar. This choice goes back to the joy of discovery that I like hearing the bootlegs for the first time. In this case, Pearl Jam in South America for their first tour. This is one of two that I bought in 2005. I was drawn to the show for the heavy hitters slant of the set list. Nine rockers to start, rare cover and bleed for me in the main set. More covers, I believe in miracles and kick out the jams and rock it in the free world. I'm eager to have the team break this one down and share their thoughts from a whole new perspective. And three highlights from the show. He's not going to give any covers. It's, it's a Pearl Jam show, so this is the top three Pearl Jam moments. Number three, Better Man. Number two, save you. And number one, sad and present tense combo. Great stuff, Mike. Can't wait to talk about all that. Excellent. And uh, actually, if you tuned in already or you're just waiting for it to come out on the the main platform, you'll be able to hear Mike in our latest set list draft, the round three. So if you're interested to see how he did drafting his set list, then that will be at this moment. If you're listening to this on Wednesday, it'll be on Patreon platform. If you're listening to this on Friday, then it's already up on the regular platform. So we'll get to talk about that a little bit more later. But once again, thank you, Mike, for requesting this. Let's get into the question of the week here that I posed to social media. How often do you pursue bootlegs outside of the legendary shows that are from other countries and continents? Do you usually stick with your own shows, famous shows, or do you love discovering Pearl Jam shows from all sectors of the world? And then the bonus question to add on to that was how many South American shows have you listened to? The only response in that one was actually from somebody in South America who said, I've heard Brazil and Rio and Sao Paulo shows. 
you know, the 2005, 2011, and 2018 tour, Argentina, Chile. It seemed like he's kind of all over this. So yeah, that's from Leonardo, and Leonardo actually said that he loves discovering bootlegs because of what we do on the show sometimes. So thank you for that. That's definitely the, it's our favorite way to be able to give you guys recommendations. So I'm, I'm glad it sticks. Now let's get into some of the other answers that we got on this from Jason. I have shows from all over the world, including one from Costa Rica, Chile, Brazil, and Argentina in Europe, Japan, Australia, and Canada, plus the U.S. too. So he's hitting all the bases there. A lot of people say in all sectors of the crowd that want every single one. Here's one from Jesse. I always buy my shows. It's fun to relive the memories, but I also like to listen to the epic shows as well, such as when they play all of 10 or a Madison Square Garden kind of show. An answer here, legendary shows, my own shows. This is from Dime Size and Eight Man Shows, so can't go wrong with all those. And I'll get a couple of others here just to fill in as well. From William, I try to listen to as many boots as I can. Usually I get them as they are released. Definitely have my favorites I go back to, but I also try to listen to the shows that you guys cover. I didn't pick that because of that. It was just the first one up. Uh, before listening to the episodes, sometimes randomly pick them from Nugs or search on YouTube. I listen to Boots way more than the studio albums these days, and I do a lot of driving for work. All of South American shows available on Nugs, although most of them I've only listened to twice or once, except for a few. So yeah, that's that's essentially that's the idea of this. You know, a lot of people have listened to South American shows before, but they mainly try to focus on everything and kind of, kind of give everything its equal chance. So, you know, I, I always kind of think from a standpoint, the age-old adage in Pearl Jam when you're talking about a show is that the first response is going to be, I was there. And when people respond with that, they take pride in what they've been to. And for somebody that spent a long time focusing on just the shows that he went to, you know, I, I don't think I ever really considered stuff like this either because I have no ties to South America. You know, I have no ties to a place like Australia. If it's just hearsay, if it's just one of those things like, you know, hey, the, you got to listen to the great versions of Do the Evolution from Brazil or something like that, then I'm like, okay, I'll check that out, but it's not going to entice me to go and listen to a full one. That's Again, I, I reiterate that that was the whole idea of starting this podcast was that I didn't have all this intake that, you know, four years later, I, I kind of do. So I, I think it, you got to start with what you know. And then once the, you know, the addiction of listening to this band and getting all their live shows, once it hits, you, you, you want that rush of more. And it's always interesting to go back to the places that are just unlike any other. Every South American country is like that. Yeah, this was 2005 was around the time that I started like really getting back into Pearl Jam and collecting bootlegs and like getting some of the stuff that I'd missed from the time that I was otherwise, you know, occupied. I think these shows were, were a part of that. Like, I remember the buzz around the South American shows, like, oh my God, like the crowds are amazing. Like, you've got to hear these. So I remember 
you know, checking these out when they came out and just, just being really impressed. And But, like, it had been a while since I'd listened to one, so this was really good. But, yeah, it was about this time that I really started getting back into and being like, okay, this is a thing that I'm going to get obsessed with again after, you know, a few years of just kind of being more casual with it. All right. looks like we have stuff to obsess over in this episode as well. So we might as well dive in. We got 26 songs we got to talk about. And the first one is going to be the first song off of Binaural. We haven't covered this song in a very long time. Let's get into Break or Fall. One, two, one, two, three, four. gives us that count in with the one two three four and then those pete townsend influence chords right there hit and it feels like this already from the very beginning and kind of building up that tension it just is traveling the distance of the outdoor arena venue there it's, it's got that very outdoorsy vibe kind of song and i find it really interesting that they decide you know a crowd like this that even going back to when they've played it more recently, they've been very 10 heavy, they've been very versus heavy, you know, very early 90s heavy, but they decide this, they're gonna start right off the bat with a binaural song. And I think it's just, in this case, doesn't really matter. It's one that's gonna get them going and it only takes like two and a half minutes. So you're gonna hit with your break or fall and then you're gonna get to some of the big songs just right after it. So. I like this version of Break or Fall a lot. It just has a great presence and sets a tone for what will be an ultimately energetic and fun night here. Only seven times is an opener too. That number doesn't seem right, but that's what we got. So for the very few times, it is good to see this in this spot. Yeah, very high energy, very anthemic, and yeah, surprised that they didn't go back to it more as an opener. I think a lot of times it ended up in the number two or number three spot there and on that binaural tour, but this is great. I think the first night I went back and looked, they opened with Go, so you're getting kind of the same energy here. They're coming out with something fast, and you're still, you know, 2005, you're still close enough to binaural that they, they can bust this out and it can feel tight and it can have a good energy. It's not like the song's 20-something years old like it is now and they're yeah. going to struggle to get through it because they're a little bit rusty on it. But this sounds great. Great way to kick it off. I mean, you can tell coming off of the night before they were in a great mood. Just looking at Ed, looking at Jeff, looking at Mike, like they knew what they were in for by this point because they'd gotten a few shows under their belt. I think this is what the eighth show in South America. So they pretty much knew what they were going to get. And again, coming on a night two, it's like, yeah, we can do some stuff here and play around. Yeah. And it's going to get you into this nice little section right here of all 
songs that should be following up on this, like Corduroy, Save You, and Animal. Yeah, I like this section a lot. I think that the crowd, especially on Corduroy, there's these hey chants in the beginning, and they're really starting to feel it. They're really starting to pump their hands and, and clap along. And Corduroy is obviously, look, if you're going to start with Break or Fall, you know, to go into it with something that is an anthemic chanting song to sing along with, I think Corduroy is the perfect one. And then you, you go back and forth with Save You Animal, same kind of thing where Animal's the more of the sing along than Save You is. But I really liked Mike Solo from Corduroy. Just thought it was really electric. And then at the end, Matt starts to push it a little bit. And you can tell when Matt starts to go, everybody else starts to go too. And it made for a really powerful ending there. think about this section what'd you like from it all of it this is probably my favorite part of this show like they are absolutely flying by the time they get to animal like just perfect performances you can tell they're really feeling it the like that surge on stage getting that energy from this crowd it's palpable like you can feel it coming through the bootleg that they're just in a great mood songs sound great performances are great everyone just keeps building and and getting better and better this whole first part of the main set is nearly flawless you know you said everybody's having fun on stage you got to see during save you like jeff's eyes are are bugging out of his head like he's really starting to move around and you can tell that he's having fun and when he's having fun i think that him especially because especially when you see him now he's he's sort of a little bit more reserved in his elder age i suppose he's hitting 60 next year i believe but you can tell that it brings the best out of the band when Jeff is in a good mood and kind of sparking the rest of them because they see him. They're like, all right, you're going. I guess the rest yeah. of us are going to go on this too. So animal yeah, too. Gr- he does that thing during animal where he does that. It's that thing from 93 where he leans back and he's just slamming his hand against the strings. He's not even playing a string. He's just hitting it. Right. And he's in that chord and that took me back. You could see him. He was feeling during this one. Yeah, I can't discount any of Stone's facial expressions during this, too. You know, he's he's playing towards Cameron's direction. He's giving him some looks here, and he's just like, hey, I like songs. And Cameron's just like, cool, man, I, I, got, I got work I got to do. So you want to do work with me? Fine, let's do work. But we don't have to talk right now. But how about this? How about this for the story? Uh, we always talk about Stone's fashion. In 2005, are we going through Stone's middle-aged English professor phase? Because that's that's what he looks like here. He's got the that's, very uh, mm-hmm. thin that's, beard. That's exactly what I wrote. Like, your <laughs> divorced English professor in yeah. college 
where he's got like the kind of like neat beard, the shirts buttoned up all the way, yep. the clothes hair, the, the glasses. Yeah. It's, oh, I can't wait till we talk about Steve classic. Turner later. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Believe me. I got a whole thing on that. Yeah. Let's not discount anything from Animal. Crowd is bouncing up and down. You see some excellent overhead shots on this where you just see them just moving and moving up. Yeah, the crowd got a chance to sing away on it and sounded terrific. So after that, Ed's going to speak in Portuguese. I am not going to make any attempts to translate that. Did you? I wasn't even. The only thing I got was something about like Saturday night in Sao Paulo. Okay. Yeah, that's, I mean. There was a Sabado and a Noche. So, yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, he's done Saturday night in Brooklyn and Saturday night in St. Louis and stuff like that before, too. So yep. nothing nothing really changed a pace. But we're going to get into two big hits and heavy hitters here of Given a Fly and Even Flow. In 2005, I guess he's just starting to do the smoking a tree bit because he does it with Sao Paulo there, made it to Sao Paulo. Just the early instance of the Pander change line. I wonder... If the first one, I know we did the Evolution episode, but it's been so long, but I think we talked about the Gorge really being the first one. So maybe we'll have to go back and kind of rediscover that at some point. But yeah, overall, like it gets a great call and response. You you hear the crowd chanting along, flying and getting great builds up to the big climax of the song and really taking it away once that back half of the chorus hits. And and yeah, I thought it was really good. I thought Even Flow was really good, too, with a solo that had a really prominent Jeff moment on it that was really prominent through the bass. So really, really liked the version. Given to Fly, I thought was one of the highlights, just a killer version. Stone has a little lead that he's doing, just a simple little three or four note repeating lead that's just perfect. And it really felt like the whole performance was elevated due to the crowd and everything, like absolutely soars in the way that you want Given to Fly to soar in the best way. And I'm I'm watching this, I'm thinking like, this is just one of their best songs. I mean, we, we sometimes, I think, take given to fly for granted in the same way you know we talk about rearview mirror and do the evolution and things but given to fly is one of their best songs period and this is an amazing version even flow also very good 2005 2006 we talked about newcastle with cameron when cameron gets the big solo mike here is just in full god mode hendrix eddie van halen the whole thing just pulling out all the tricks then he starts getting into the pedals and starts getting a little atmospheric with it. Cameron does get a little bit of a moment. You can tell like that's starting to pop in, but then the crowd takes it and it's it's off to the races from there. Th- these two, I think, perfect for this spot. Yeah, perfect for the spot, perfect for this crowd, and they will become, in the later couple tours that they would end up doing in South America, they would become the staples that the band would say, okay, let's look at songs like Break or Fall and take them out and keep more of the given fly and even flows in because then you'll start to get the whoa, and for even flow, the whoa, 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 so... You know, that's where the crowd kind of evolves with it. And Argentina would really be the first spot for in 2005. But once they go back in 2011, it's off to the races. So, yeah, these songs pretty much define, obviously, along with Do the Evolution, the idea of what a South American show should be. And this is the little seeds being planted. All right. Ed is in English this time, just introduces Mike McCready while Olay chants fill out the background. We're going to get a three-headed monster here of I Am Mine, Lucan, and Sad. Who came up with this combo? I Am Mine into Lucan? <laughs> I've uh, never well, even... Mud Honey's opening the show, so you know you're going to get Lucan. 
Well, yeah, you're going to get Lucan, but behind I am mine. That just, yeah. I, it threw me for a loop. Like if, if anything, I would have expected, okay, daughter Lucan, not for you because that's the original combo, but I don't think I've ever heard it after I am mine before. That's interesting. Yeah, and I think the broadcast, whatever, Lucan was not shown. They they, they cut no. after I Am Mine and cut to Daughter. So these the little section here is, is not included. But Well, Lucan was a really angry moment. And I'm going to guess that they probably saw that and they're like, mm, you know, maybe not that one. Maybe that yeah. one's a little too much for us. It, it was almost scary angry the way that Ed was going about on it. Lucan, I thought was cool. Yeah, super fast, super angry. And what can you say about sad into present tense? Nothing bad going on there. I think Mike mentioned sad being one of his highlights, and I agree. Yeah, no, sad is a lot of fun. And you just have a nice little dichotomy between the guitars in this. Like, Ed's doing the arpeggiated stuff, and Mike, the best way I can describe his little atmospheric sounds, it kind of sounds like a little shooting star pedal effects there. And that really lifts the song. Just the little, little bits that, that happen in the verse. He doesn't do it every version of Sad, and especially in the beginning, I think he does it a little bit more to kind of keep closer to the original album version, but those sound really really good really well done the push here at the end is really really good here too when you know you're starting to escalate and go off at the end mike had to wait a little bit of a second before getting to those ear splitting high notes but he got to them and that's the big part of the song that you want to hear but present tense is a part of this too can't discredit this at all you can just feel with a song sometimes you know how a certain version is destined for a big surge a big takeoff right when you hear the first notes and you hear the reaction and it felt big right away yeah i thought it was fantastic like i said the whole first part of this main set is just incredible and i mean part of the two is if you look at the stats here they've hit every single album up to this point here you had even flow off of 10 animal off of versus corduroy vitalogy Lucan and present tense off of no code, given to fly off a of yield, break or fall off a of binaural, and then save you and I and mine off a of right act. So they're really mixing it up, and I think that. And a dog. And sat off a of lost dog. So I think that really adds to the variety and keeping it fresh and having a really good flow to this. It's very well done, very well crafted. You can spend your time alone,
after present tense, you can kind of hear the crowd a little bit in the middle, and it sounds like some people really want do the evolution right there. They start to chant for it. that point i was just saying oh boy if people are really really into it and, and are chanting for it then i can't wait to see what happens when they close the set with it so we're not quite there yet but we'll dive through it i think daughter was a really good performance for the crowd version and you know when looking at it on a set list you see daughter and it's okay and you think oh you're gonna get maybe the estabien or something like that and you don't and you don't get a traditional it's okay tag and i don't know if you caught it but it, it sounded like jeff was actually playing the wma baseline during this for a little bit and yeah, actually it, i don't think this is a dead moon it's okay tag i think this is just like an it's okay improv yeah it's closer to that they kind of do the it's okay it's okay a little bit but it's nowhere you're not getting those chords that introduce you into the song right. like that that warmth that introduces you you know it seems like the crowd starts doing it and then ed is is picking up on it and i wonder if jeff is doing the baseline for wmaf i wonder if that was the original plan hmm. and then they reverse course maybe yeah this is this is incredible because Ed is just kind of like, he gets to that part and the band goes into the jam thing. And Ed's just kind of like, he's kind of waiting, he's kind of feeling it out, he's, you know, looking around. And you hear the crowd doing this thing, like it just happens organically. And they're doing the kind of the call and response that he'll do sometimes. Ed takes notice and he kind of like, notice, okay, what's going on here? And then he kind of like starts to do it back at them a little bit. And then he notices that like, there's two different things happening in the crowd. Like one part is doing this, another part's doing. So he works on one side. Like, and this normally comes off as like super cheesy and super dumb when you're like, okay, you guys over here do this part, and you guys over here do this part. But the way that this happens is just incredible. Like this crowd does this on their own, unprompted. Like he's got one of them doing one thing, and he's like, all right, you guys keep doing that. And then he works on the other part of the crowd. He's like, all right, well, where you got you guys were doing this thing over here. Add that on top of that. You can really tell that he's just blown away by this. I think at the end he even says like, "That's the first time ever we had, okay. we had two parts going." He says that's better than okay. Yeah. So yeah. I think it was a nice moment 
And I think it's one of these things that they're going to take away from this year when going down there and saying, hey, the crowd really reacted to that. Now, what can we bring when we go back? It's going to be another six years before they do. But when we go back in in 2011, let's kind of think of the same ideas to bring in. How can we catch that lightning in a bottle again? And it just escalates from there. Like we said, this is sort of the evolutionary process here of what they're going to do in South America. And Daughters, another one that's going to become a big song. Like I mentioned before, It's Okay being a Stabien would become the norm in some of these countries. So yeah, I think this is a really good starting point and probably makes the band not just take notice, but say like, okay, maybe if Sao Paulo is going to do it, then maybe Monterey, Mexico, Mexico City, maybe one of them are going to do it. I think Rio was after this. Maybe Rio will do it too. So yeah, nice version and crowd was 100% spot on. Daughter was so big that I'm wondering, and I don't want to say that it was affected at all, but I'm wondering if Not For You just didn't have the same juice that Not For You usually does because it was such a high on Daughter that it almost, in a way... Anything that would have come afterwards would have had a really tough follow-up on that momentum. And again, that's not really to say that the performance was lackluster or anything like that. I just think that Daughter took a lot out of them. They didn't quite find all of the power in Not For You. Yeah, I can can agree with that. I think maybe a little bit of a hangover effect. Yeah, Not For You didn't have the usual kind of bite that it does. Like I said, this is kind of the beginning of where the set kind of dips a little bit for me, and we're going to get to a couple more here in in a little bit. But it's hard to live up to that first part because everything from Breaker Fall up to Daughter I thought was near perfect. Yeah, I kind of agree, but I don't know if there's anything that I really didn't feel after this. But we'll, we'll see where it goes. We do get a spotlight on Jeff afterwards because that's Jeremy. And also, Ed Ed said last night it was special, but you guys are better than last night. No sleep for me last night and no sleep for Matt either. We're very excited. So you help on this song, please. And thank you. And yeah, Jeff is getting the bass spotlight on him during Jeremy in the beginning. And I think the crowd was more than happy to oblige on this. They take all the big moments. They scream the big fuck. And again, another one where the overhead shot just shows him bumping up and down. And the call and responses at the end are going to be great, too. That big surge with the ooh Like, that stuff really makes the song. Was it Jeremy that you kind of saw a little bit of the downtrend on? I thought for a South American crowd, it was very good. No, yeah, Jeremy's fine. Again, it's about the big crowd moment and they deliver. Yeah. Now we're going to get into a song that... Well, you're never going to hear again after this because it's pretty much locked in into the 2004-2005 era. It's Dead Kennedy's song called Bleed For Me.
played it eight times live. We've never seen it again. I wonder if 2020 was a thing and they toured then, if it would come back. You know, I, I, don't, I, think, I don't think so. Well, I, there's an opportunity to have done a Cowboy Donnie line, and I wonder if that's something that they wouldn't have let up. I don't think it would have been like, hey, seven times in a 12-show tour, but you know, maybe, maybe once, maybe once for a crowd where they wanted to put on a special show. Who knows? Who knows? It, it's obviously a thing of the past and it didn't happen, so it really doesn't matter. But I'm a little surprised that they went heavy into U.S. politics into such a political song down in Brazil. Yeah, this is where it starts to get a little dicey for me. Like, we've got 13 songs left in this set here. Six of them are going to be covers. I think covers are the most played quote-unquote album at this show. They have no business covering Dead Kennedys. Like, I, I get it that Mike is a big fan. Jeff obviously has the punk rock background. I'm sure Ed, Ed's a fan. But what are they doing doing this song? Like, it's not the kind of song they need to do. It starts out just way too fast. It doesn't sound like anybody knows what they're doing. Like, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm a punk rock guy. Like, I love Dead Kennedys. I love this song. But Pearl Jam has no business doing this. Now, do you think that other people, and, you know, coming from a punk background myself, I, I, I think I'm sort of neutral on it, but do you think that other people, maybe outside of the Pearl Jam world, that would hear this, that are Dead Kennedys people, that are punk people, would hear it and they'd be like, oh, they totally butchered this? Maybe. It's a little... I want to say, like, they, they got through it. Like, it's it's fine, but Ed really can't pull off a, a Jello Biafra voice. It's Nobody like Jello. I know. Like he that's what I was to say. He has such a unique style and such a definitive vocal style and range that like anyone else doing it is gonna sound a little strange. But yeah, at the beginning of it really threw me off. It didn't feel like they knew what they were doing with it. I mean it's it should be something that's right in my alley and like some of the other stuff the punk rock stuff they were in like American and Me and I think they did a Germs cover in Boston which was cool but they leave this stuff alone. There there's a reason they haven't gone back to a lot of that classic classic punk rock stuff. They they stick to Ramones and they stick to the easier ones like don't bring this back. It, just leave it there. You kind of mentioned that like the beginning was fast and it kind of sounded a little bit mess and I wonder if that momentum sort of transported into State of Love and Trust because State of Love and Trust is pretty fast. And it's almost at that point where it sort of loses the State of Love and Trust identity just a little bit. And it just seems like a little too much. It does seem rushed. And I wonder, you know, does that go back to the whole idea that there is a curfew on this? And we see in the video that, you know, the sun goes down pretty, pretty early. So it doesn't seem like they're going to have a whole lot of time to do this but state was fine but i think that sometimes you need to let it breathe a little bit you need to have a crowd moment on it they didn't even give the crowd a shot to do any hey oh hey oh they didn't even do any of that so what'd you think about that yeah i think when it's at its best you know state of love and trust is one of those big anthems and this one just didn't have that feel to it i think there's even a a line change where ed says ain't got much left i don't know if he was yeah. talking about like his voice or the band the, the song the set like again a strange version i think bleed for me really threw off the momentum and the kind of run that they were on in the show it just felt like the just changed and like 
they just kind of lost whatever surge, whatever momentum they had for a little while. And there's, I mean, there's still going to be good performances we we're going to talk about. Don't get me wrong, but it just felt like the set kind of took a left turn and didn't really get back on track. I, I don't know if I fully agree with that. I think there are some things that, you know, elderly woman is a, is a bit of a dip and there's a little bit of a screw up in the beginning. It needs a reset, but I was totally fine the way that they ended the set. I had no problems with it at all. Sometimes on, I believe in miracles, you do get a little bit like, all right, well, I didn't feel anything from this version that I haven't felt before. So it's just kind of, you know, right on track. Doesn't really do much less or much more. But there is a cool little thing where he does pay tribute to the Ramones before that, and you get a lot of the Blitzkrieg Bob, hey-ho, let's go chants beforehand, and a lot of Ramones shirts and flags in the crowd as well. So that kind of ties in, but the performance itself didn't shatter the world, I guess, you know? Yeah, uh, it, was, it was fine. Right. They, they did play it a lot on this tour, and as I mentioned before, the Ramones were really kind of influential in them going down there, and I'm sure there was a lot of regret from Ed after Johnny had passed a year ahead of this that maybe that would be something that Johnny would have liked him to do so it seemed like this was a little bit expedited to go on this tour for those reasons so this song got played at, at 10 of the 12 shows in South America on this yep. tour yep. Elderly Woman again it's it's fine you needed a mid-tempo song at this point I think to just you know break you up from the bleed for me and state of love and trust and it gets anthemic and you, you get the crowd swaying back and forth which is nice and and we also got a really good lyric change to it you mentioned that before that sometimes it's just a little bit of lip service and we kind of talked about a little bit of that last week but they obviously made good on their their return to South America. So this is one point where you can say that we're not still waiting on it. Would not be surprised to see them go back uh, next year. Yeah, I think there were rumors that that would be the plan. But when you don't hear anything for a long time, then you start to get a little suspicious. But who knows? There's there's still a lot of time. It's been in a few years. Yep. And we also know how close to the show date that they start announcing stuff. But I would, I would think that for a tour in South America or, you know, usually the European tour gets announced at least, you know, nearly a year ahead of time. So who the heck knows? But we're going to end the main set here. This is the song that they were asking for earlier. You know, let's let it close the set. And it's also as we mentioned about a hundred times, the quintessential South American song.
got some small traces of what it would become, but it's nowhere near being those versions where, you know, Ed has said, like, it, you know, you look out into the crowd and kind of, it felt like you were seeing the sound waves coming from them when they were singing the chord progression of Do the Evolution. But you don't get that, but it's still an excellent performance. You still get the Admire My Stone and, and you get a change in the, the Hallelujah to I Run for President, so I Sing Like a Choir. There's a lot of good energy, and it seems like the fans really love what they're hearing. And, and I wonder if this is just, again, little seeds that are developing for this, and then in the future years, it, it never goes back. Yeah, and you know they're giving it the highlighted spot here at the end of the set, and this is a good version. I think it's been two weeks in a row that we've gotten the Admire My Stone section, so... Um, Give it us any time. Let's go. Yeah, yeah. Love it. And love this, like, it, it's not one of those that's going to blow you away that would become, like, those quintessential versions that everyone wanted to, to live up to when they got back. It does feel a little bit isolated here all around these kind of covers. And, like, covers in the main set are always hit or miss. Like, when it works, it can be really good and really impactful. But when it doesn't work, it can really throw things off. And I think that the latter happened here. And I think that if maybe there had been something different, like a spin the black circle, something else, like maybe evolution would have had a little bit more power behind it, but still a very good version. Well, we have hit the encore, so let's pause for station identification and talk about some good things. Let's thank one person. We haven't got a new patron for a long time, so we're going to, we're going to beg for somebody to join this week, especially because we got some cool things that are, are coming up in the not-so-distant future. But we do have one person that just increased their donation to the Gigaleg tier, and that is Chris Oatley. So thank you, Chris. And yeah, just like thanks, Mike, Chris. Chris is on the most recent setlist draft as well. So awesome. he's competing, and it's all up to you guys to decide whether or not you want to vote for either one of them. The way to do it is to follow us on our social media. If Twitter's still around by this point, it's at Live on Four Legs Pod on Twitter or on Facebook. The Pearl Jam Podcast community group is what to follow over there. Why don't we get into talking a little bit about Setless Drafts and then we'll talk about what we just recorded and then we're going to talk about how you can join Patreon if that's something that you want to do and come and support us. So, John, let's get into the Setless stuff with you. So yeah, we've brought back the setlist drafts. We take four people, have them pick songs in order for a Pearl Jam setlist based on what the band did in 2022. We have our little sit-down section. They can choose to like go with rarities or go with fan favorites. Their job is to to impress you, the listener, and you guys are going to get to vote on which one you like the best, who you think did the best job. The winners are going to get to face off in kind of a championship coming in out in December. So be on the lookout for that. But these are always so much fun, and we've worked in some new people, and it's it's going really well. I've been really excited to hear, you know, see some of the settlers coming out and hear how excited they've been for it. We've had a really good response. Going to going to be bringing this back again in 2023. So be on the lookout. You know, it's always just kind of a, a fun thing that we do, and they're always fun to listen to. So hope you guys are checking that out. Yeah, especially it's it's really celebrating the 2022 tour after a couple months of it ending afterwards. And, and we're going to do a lot more of that at end of the year stuff with the website, with liveandfourlegs.com and with the podcast as well. I think we're going to end up doing one episode 
per leg on that. And that's another thing that you guys on the Pearl Jam podcast community group, that's something that you guys voted for. So we have picked and selected and they're all three of them, I think are the right choices as well. So when we get to those, I think you guys are going to be excited about it. And yeah, I think the whole point of what's happening right now is just to celebrate the year that we had because it was something that we'd been waiting for for a long time as fans as podcasters as people that feign any sort of interest with the band this was a very very special one and there's a lot to still kind of sit back and and relive and there's still a lot to listen to too from shows that you didn't go to and a lot from shows that you went to as well we can't wait to do all that. But one of the, the things that we will do a lot of that with is at our third annual holiday party, which is happening on December 15th. It is open to all and it is through Zoom. And all you got to do is show up, enjoy the stories, enjoy the music. There will be live performances. There will be a gift exchange that has happened for the last couple of years. That's closed off now. We've gotten our people and we thank the great response that we got for that. And you know, just we're just celebrating how awesome it is to be in this community. That that's it. It's very simple and something that we like to do as sort of a get together to get to see everybody. So if you're interested in that, I think the best way to reach out about it is just send us an email live on four legs podcast at gmail.com and just say I would love to come and I'll make sure that you guys get a link. If that's something you're interested in, or if you just want to send us an email just because you like us, then you can do that too. Once again, I, I'm going to bring up Patreon real quick and just say that we do have a new Evolution episode that is in the can. It's recorded and is in the preliminary stages of being edited right now. And it is for WMA, another one where in 2022 had a had a nice little resurgence here that we're going to be talking about those versions and really pretty much every version because there's only been 19 full ones that have been played. So really interesting. We're going to talk about kind of the political stuff that come out of it and, and the stories that happen there and the reasonings as to why they played it at certain shows. So I think you guys will enjoy it. And then not only that, but we will have one more evolution episode out before the end of the year. Not going to give that one away. I think it's going to be a nice little surprise. And the only way to get to listen to these episodes is if you are subscribed to our Patreon, which is a donation of either a dollar, five dollars or ten dollars a month. But honestly, if you just want to listen to the stuff, if you just want to support the show, one dollar a month is more than enough and it'll get you all the stuff and it'll get you opportunities like, you know, firsthand in the set list draft. If you want to be part of the set list draft, we'll put you in as quick as possible because we give it to the patrons first. They have first dibs on it. So everybody else that or isn't a patron but wants to sign up. If we got to push them back because you guys want to do it and that are patrons, then we're going to have to do that. So, you know, if that's stuff that you guys are interested in, mention it every week. But we say it because we love the support. We love the enthusiasm that all of our patrons have. So liveonfourlegs.com, you can click the Become a Patron button right at the top. And that's the most supportive to us because that's going directly to our website hits, of course. And then stick around and just read some of the articles and read some of the Concertpedia, of course. But also you can join patreon patreon.com slash live on four legs or go to the patreon app and just search for live on four legs all good stuff and definitely something to anticipate especially if you want to be like mike 
<laughs> no pun intended, but if you want to be like Mike and request an episode just like he did tonight, then I think you guys have the opportunity right through Patreon. So thank you all for listening to me on that. And I got nothing left to say except for back to the rock. We're going to come out here with an acoustic and a harmonica, and we're going to get a little Beatles cover and hide your love away. It's a really good call and response in the chorus. I thought, you know, that this is a song that everybody knows, and this is a song that everybody's going to, you know, shout at the heavens. It's, it's a very much a chanting kind of chorus where everybody loves to kind of sway around with it. And of course, like half the versions and maybe even more than half the versions of this song, Ed does not connect with the harmonica part he flubs it somewhere and then kind of laughs it off and i think everybody else kind of figured it out as well and laughed with him so no the, you know. the, the strap broke his little holder thing broke oh just, i thought that that was a joke no i think it, it 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 fell off like it broke off and that's why he's like oh that the thing always breaks or whatever he says i thought that he was just kind of putting that off as like oh no i think it it's, really it's did. that fault not my fault okay yeah well i guess it wasn't a joke then yeah it, it kind of sounded like it was but all right so yeah i guess that's a legitimate reason to not finish out the song properly but it has happened before so but that it's going to get you into better man and right away you hear the crowd once they get into the notes and they're like oh yeah we love better man this is one that mike brought up when we mentioned his top three moments before had a really strong presence here and of course like most good crowds he lets them take the chorus and sing along to it and that was terrific here but we get just the drive in it is very good and then ed decides to do a little bit of an improv at the end where he starts kind of singing nothing affects me nothing affects me and that was kind of that was kind of cool it was really surging at that point so for him to sort of add something just you know right, right off the top of his head the best moments in better man or any song when he does something like that kind of happen when it's off the cuff so that that was a, that was a really good moment i think it was just a powerful stage performance on this yeah really 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 good and obviously you know they're being very crowd friendly here better man is a big crowd moment the improv yeah i was thinking about it all day like what does that mean like he repeats like i'll say nothing affects me and like I mean, obviously, we, we don't know. We're 17 years later at this point. But it's just, it felt a little, like, I won't say strange, but a little weird in this big moment with this big crowd. Like, give them a call and response. Give them a save it for later. Like, he goes into this, like, very kind of personal, intimate improv. Like, I don't know what he's talking about. Nothing affects me. Like, what does that have to do with what's happening? The only thing I can think of is he's not affected by his harmonica breaking on him. Maybe. That's it. Maybe. Like, that's all yeah. I got. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little weird. Maybe a little bit of a missed opportunity to make it a bigger moment. But still, very good. And like, yeah, if you're in, if you're in this crowd, you're screaming along at the top of your lungs, trying to outdo everyone else. So, yeah, good song.
guess it's weird because we're so used to Ed being pretty vulnerable about stuff. So, yeah, I can see that. I just thought it was a, a nice moment to just bring into this. And maybe at that moment, he was kind of feeling 15 years beforehand, feeling the first song on Earthlings, Invincible. So, <laughs> but anyway, I think that we should not bury this for very much longer. Let's get into Black. It is a long version of Black in the Gretsch era. Again, another one where you want hit central here. Yeah, this is this is going to work. The crowd just eats it up right away. And we get the participation where the participation's best. The tattooed everything, the oh, I'm spinning. Those are the big moments from this. And I thought that this version just had a lot of heart and passion. And you see it in Ned's eyes when he's sensing a powerful moment. And, you know, Mike has a, uh, he's not tearing a hole into this and usually in the Gretsch versions he doesn't it's very soulful there's a good visual of Ed just kind of looking at him and, and looking on and to the scene that's happening on stage and he's taking a drag of a cigarette and kind of admiring all of it and then the crowd comes in starts doing their own do 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 doos and Ed is just you know looking out in awe and starts playing conductor to all of it good moment from this crowd i think one of the better and possibly a top three song for the south american crowds is black yeah i 100 agree and i the guitar that he's playing and like yeah you talk about Gretsch, it's a very unique sound it almost has like a johnny cash kind of feel to it very kind of retro sound and we talked about these versions before as being kind of timeless but like I said, this this version is nearly 10 minutes, and a lot of it is based on the crowd and a really good mic solo. Yeah, I thought this had everything that, that you want on the black. Like you said, the passion, the soul, everything that makes for a good version of black, this one had it. Yeah, it was, I was very impressed with this. I thought this was probably the highlight of the encores. 
Yeah, Ed's singing along with them at the end too. Kind of gave him a nice little communal experience on this. Yeah, very very cool visual, very cool moments in it. How else are you going to follow up on Black aside from inviting Mudhoney onto the stage (laughs) and kicking out some jams, mother and fuckers? But yeah, there's 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 a moment in here. Steve Turner and Stone look like they just came back from a college board meeting and afterwards said, do you want to go and grab a cup of coffee and talk about philosophy? Because that's, they're going through the same midlife thing. Yeah. I had kind of, I had kind of the same thought because if you even look at Mike at the show, like Mike starts off the show wearing glasses. Like he's got a little professorial look there, but he's got like a little bit of the dyed reddish, hair like your kind of professor who like is trying to recapture his youth a little bit and it it felt like when you're in college and you go to the bar and you see like your english professor's band is there and they they're like rocking on you're kind of embarrassed like oh i don't want to have to sit through this and oh, they're and then like they'll catch your eye later they'll be like hey what'd you think you want our cd um, and like Jeff is their like punk rock friend who like didn't grow up and get the job. He just hangs out with them because he's just wearing the t-shirt and like, runs the soundboard. Well, you know, he's like he's still the bass player. Like oh, he's okay. still still the bass player. Oh, I but, see. I see what you're saying. Yeah, but the three of them together, especially Steve Turner and Stone, like look like yeah, they just came out of some liberal arts, English or philosophy lecture you know it's a very funny visual for the time like they they do not look like guys who are in rock bands nope but they sure as hell sound like it you know this is a good kick out the jams motherfucker i think that the highlight in in this is steve turner it sounds mm-hmm. like he's seriously tearing a hole in his guitar just going right. off on that he's, solo. he's great this is uh, right, yeah this is right in his wheelhouse Mudhoney's in the building, it's expected that you would get this, you know what I mean? Definitely. That was the third time that they've ever done it. They did it, uh, I guess, a couple nights before, but was it 2005 where they started it? Or 2005... In 2004, they did it in Grand Rapids, so it is this era. Half the show is on this tour. Yeah. They did it all the three times in Mexico, too, after this. Yep, and in Rio, yep, so... Yeah, they were they were on top again. It's mud honey, so you gotta have a mud honey moment. It's also a song that takes like two and a half minutes to play, okay. so okay. it's energetic. The crowd is gonna go after it. So yeah, yeah, great way to end it. Now get into your second encore. It's gonna be whipping and crazy Mary that we can package right here. 
fast version of whipping. What's that saying from any other version of whipping? Whipping's not usually a slow version. Uh, a little bit of a lyric tie-up, but a nice way to get energy out of the first song. But I think, I think that's a curfew thing, too, is, you know, yeah. kick off the jams is two and a half minutes, whipping's two and a half minutes, get them in, get them out. Yep. However, I think the highlight from this Encore 2 is definitely Crazy Mary. The way that the crowd, again, when they come in and he says she lived on a curve in the road, the crowd explodes, and it's every single word that they're on top of after that. She lived on a curving road On tar paper shack On the south side of the town On the wrong side of the tracks Sometimes on the way into town We say, Mother, can we stop and give her a ride? Yeah, sometimes we did But her hands flew from her side While Again, the crowd taking over, singing at the top of their lungs, every lyric sang with love and just on top of everything. It sounded terrific. And, you know, I, I think going back to what you said about time and, and the restraints that they had here, there was no boom duel here. There was no mic and boom duel. It was just boom. But there was also no like major electricity from boom that you would get in a duel. He kind of kept it fairly conservative for what he does on Crazy Mary. Yeah, I, I agree. And I think he may be like figured I don't wanna like overwhelm what what the crowd's doing, like let them have their thing, let them have the spotlight on it. Because Boom's not a guy who's gonna come on and be like, Look at me, everybody, look at you know what I can do. But yeah, I think probably again, like you said, a function of, of having to kind of wrap it up pretty soon here. Not one of the epic crazy Marys, but noteworthy for the crowd. Ed says here, right before getting into the end, the biggest way to thank you for the last two days is just saying obrigado over and over again. So Olay chants going off in the background, and then you're getting the Alive riff, all hands up in the air celebrating this. Night two of a two-night stay, and everybody's just still in awe. It's going to be the last time that they would see the band if they're not going to any of the Mexico shows or in Rio ahead of time, which I have no idea either or. I'm sure there probably would have been some one or two people that did make the trek throughout the whole thing, but you know, you're, you're not getting this for another six years, so Alive is really the moment that they're taking in. They're saying, alright, we need one more, we need one more, and uh, they're catching on to it, but there is a storyline that happens in Alive. And Ed gets to run off stage and he kind of wants to make a connection with the crowd. And you see it. There's more of like kind of an overhead shot on this as well, where Ed is kind of running straight forward and you see a guy getting tackled by security and his security team is like, nope, go left, go left, go left. 
and he just avoids it. And Mike is soloing during this. The camera cuts back to Mike, and he's just kind of looking on, like, what's happening here? What, what is going on? And it, it doesn't quite seem to phase them at all. It's just a weird sort of instance that happens right in the middle here. Yeah, and they've got like a, it's like a tea barrier. So the crowd is kind of split into two halves and there's like the a path down the middle and that's where he kind of goes running off. And I noticed this too, like as he's going kind of getting near the back, there's a, a surge and like someone looked like they were trying to break through and like rush at him. One of the bouncers, I think, was like this huge guy, looked like he was 300, 400 pounds, just like, nope, and just like gets in the way and like points everybody, like everybody rushes to kind of stop it. There's two or three people around Ed, like rushing him through and keeping him. I don't think he probably even noticed. But yeah, he goes kind of the back, sings, and then comes back very quickly back up to the stage there. Yeah, kind of interesting. Like, not something you would have even noticed if the, if the, if the camera hadn't been on it at that moment. But yeah, luckily the, the security was there to, to take care of it. When he gets back on stage, someone throws a Brazilian flag to him and he kind of picks it up. Did you notice too, he goes and hangs it on Boom's keyboard, but he hangs it upside down. Like the, yes. the writing is upside down. I did like, notice that. It's like, come on, man. You got to gotta look at the writing and flip that thing over for these people. It's been a long night. Sure. He has another, he no, has another no chance sleep. the next night, you know? Yeah, yeah. I, I'm sure it was not out of any, you know. Right, right. So it doesn't matter. Rocking in the Free World is going to end this one. There's the fun visual here of Ed just smashing his tambourines together. It looks like he's going to shatter them and somehow they don't really get to shatter. But also now it's, it's Mike's turn to walk up. What's he doing? If you're the security, you're like, come on, man. Like we just, we just had to like protect your other guy. Like give us a break. And he tries to yeah. get right next to the crowd. Like, Oh, I'm going to yeah. play on top of him. Yeah. And somebody runs in front of him. Like, no, yeah. no. Did you, did you see somebody just tried to tackle Eddie? Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, it, it didn't last very long, but no, I, I guess you got to the last the last night in Sao Paulo. I guess you got to try. That's the only thing I have on that. But nice little celebration. It's a, it's a fun one. The crowd is all clapping in unison during the transition into the, the final run. But Ed finishes off, says it's beautiful. You're beautiful and continues smashing those tambourines before tossing them away. So, yeah, great way to end the show. Fun way. All right, now we got to find out what three moments are the top ones from this show. This is a tough one to pick the three moments from, but I think I'm pretty close to getting it. So it is my turn to go first this time. I'm going to say that number three is going to be... Let's go with present tense on this. Present tense was really, really good at this show. My number two is going to be Daughter with the crowd and the response on Daughter. But I think that as far as crowd moments go, I think that Black was my favorite moment for them. So Black is my number one. Okay. I'm kind of in the, in the same ballpark. My number three is Given to Fly. Thought it was the highlight of that, that early section. My number two is Black. Very, very good version. And my number one's Daughter. I thought this Daughter tag was one of the coolest, like most unique things I've ever heard a, a crowd do at a Pearl Jam show and just really blew me away. I thought this was uh, the highlight of the night. Well, all right. Now we get to the good part and that is what kind of ranking that this is going to get. And it's, um, 
it's a little bit tough. It's a little bit tough because I think you're you're ranking it for a couple different reasons. But one of the things you can't rank it off of is you can't rank it due to what else has happened in South America because it's not going to live up to Rio from 2011 or you know uh, a Curitiba or something like that or you know even some of the shows uh, obviously the Argentina shows are all fantastic 2013 being the most prominent you can't really judge it against that that's not fair that's not what it was back then if it's 2011 or 2015. Yeah, you can kind of think a little bit differently, but it's not. So not even going to put that thought into play. I think it's 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 a fine show. I, I don't think it's a special show. I think it's a good show that has good moments and you get to see a positive view of what this crowd can do. And most South American shows, that that is what you get. Uh, I'm like in the eight and eight and a half range. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go for an eight and a half on this. This is this is a fine show, but again, nothing that pushes it quite over the edge. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty much in that. I'm going to give this one an eight. I thought everything, like I said, everything from Breaker Fall Up to Daughter was, was 10. Like if you're going to listen to this show, definitely get through that first part and you'll you'll enjoy all of that i thought that was very very impressive it does start to lose a little bit for me like like i said with with so many covers at the end i think every other song in the last half is a cover so it kind of throws off the momentum a little bit but i'm with you it's 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 a good show but it's not going to be up there with the all-timers but still a good listen eight once again, thank you to Mike Radke for bringing it up, requesting it. It's like even if we give stuff like a six and a seven, which doesn't doesn't happen. It doesn't happen very often, especially lately. We've been on this tear of giving stuff tens and nine and a halfs. That those episodes where we gave sevens and sixes felt like deep into the rearview at this point. But yeah, even if it just gets an eight or an eight and a half here, the experience of listening to a show that wasn't on our radar is worth all of that. So not everything is going to be a 10, not everything is even going to be a nine, but I think the opportunity for us to get this into your guys's hands and get you guys to listen to like the opportunity in itself, I think you can consider a 10. So everybody wins. Everybody wins because everybody got Pearl Jam. Am I right? I think I'm right. Absolutely. Why don't we talk a little bit about next week? Next week is the last non-2022 show that we do for the year 2022. And we're actually going to do another Patreon request. It is from one of our Horizon Leg patrons, Fred Blood. I love the name. And I'm definitely going to, when we do his profile, um, I'm just going to be like, how is Blood not your song? It has to be your song. Maybe it is, but I, I don't know if I got that that idea from talking to him the couple times I talked to him. But Fred, you know, nice guy and got to meet him in Camden. So we're going to get to talk to him a little bit about Detroit 2014. This is another one that's very heavily requested within the live on Four Legs people. Everybody really likes this show. And at this point, I just want to take a moment to thank you all for listening and send my well wishes and love to you, all of your families. And have a very nice holiday and a happy Thanksgiving to everybody. I hope everybody stays safe and warm and gets to see everybody and hopefully not fight about politics because it really sometimes isn't worth it. So just a reminder on that, but really mostly uh, first and foremost, go and, and have a great time with your family. And perhaps if, if the World Cup is your cup of tea, then uh, then go drink it. So. 
look, if you subscribe to the show on Apple, Spotify, if you don't, then please do. You know how to work buttons. You just press them, and, and there you go. Now you're subscribed, and you have done the deed. But also, if you're on Apple, there is a way that you can rate us and send a comment on Spotify. You can actually just rate us. You can rate us the five stars and be on your merry way. But for Apple, we would really love for people to, you know, just leave a comment for us. Let us know what you like out of the show. Let us know, you know, what episodes you're looking forward to in the future, what kind of shows that that you like, what kind of errors that you like us covering. And, you know, it's not just us, but it's, it's letting everybody else know that might be interested in hearing a Pearl Jam podcast or hell hearing a podcast that does what we do because they're, aren't many if there are any that actually do it as consistently as we do so you know it's kind of a unique thing that we do and and we want to let the world be aware of what we do so just leave us a comment and it's just going to help other people be aware and check us out so that's it it's simple enough and being nice doesn't hurt anybody i try to be nice to everybody every day so That's all I got for this one. This may be the end. We're here, but not for much longer. And although we may be parting ways, miss you already and miss you always. Have some turkey, everybody. If you're vegetarian or vegan, then have something else that isn't turkey. But enjoy the holiday. Ole, 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 ole. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much for the last couple of days. Thank you, Brazil. Thank you, Sao Paulo. Thanks to the neighborhood for letting us play loud. Thanks to your voices being loud to let us play in the neighborhood. Maybe we'll see you soon. We'll see you next year. <laughs>